0: Here's the thing. If you run an e-commerce business, you are probably focused on getting new customers, which makes sense at face value. But it's back to front. A Harvard study found that acquiring new customers can be anywhere from 5 to 25 times more expensive than retaining existing ones. And there's a bunch of other data which shows growth doesn't necessarily come from winning new customers, but keeping your existing ones happy. This is where Klaviyo comes in. Clavio's email and SMS marketing platform brings all your customer data into one place so you can send the right message at the right time to keep customers engaged and driving revenue. This includes pre-built automations, like sending an email when someone abandons their checkout so you can develop customer relationships with minimal effort. It's time to talk to your customers like you know them. Because you do. With Clavio. Learn more at klaviyo.com big. That's Clavio.com k-l-a-v-i-y-o dot com slash big b-i-g A reporter is waiting on Lee Karsing's doorstep.
1: Are the rumors true?
0: He asks through the intercom.
2: Is your son being held ransom for two billion dollars?
0: In his gleaming marble living room with Big Spender's eyes and pistols trained on his back Lee Karsing responds. He says... There's nothing wrong. And sends the reporter away. Back to the task at hand. Lee Karsing Singh has $40 million in cash at home. As you do. That's roughly $5 million USD. He needs time to get the rest. But Big Spender isn't going to leave him alone long enough to come up with a plan. So over the next two days, Lee Kar Singh and Big Spender stay holed up in the luxurious family compound. Who knows exactly what happened over those two days? I imagine Big Spender made the most of the billionaire's lifestyle. A movie version of this event depicts Big Spender drinking tea and forcing Lee to play mini-golf with him. I wouldn't be surprised if he opted for a movie night in Lee kha big home cinema. Meanwhile, Victor Lee is gagged and waiting in his underwear in an industrial wasteland at the edge of the city. Richard Cook, he was
3: fed um, barbecue pork rice, which is a Hong Kong staple. It's called a lunchbox. And he was fed that sparingly.
0: At the compound, cast in causes bank. Very few people have $2 billion in the bank. And very few of those people have the power to withdraw a billion dollars in the middle of the night. These are large sums of cash after all, about 250 million USD. A Hong Kong police officer said to me, "If."
3: If you want to follow this story, you should um, you should ask one of the banks in Central why they opened their vault one night at midnight and moved something like a billion dollars out of it. And he wouldn't elaborate on that. And um, there was no way to follow that up. If it was HSBC Bank or Standard Charter Bank, there's no way that they would um, ever, ever, ever comment on something like that. But something happened and there was a large movement of cash.
0: We have no idea which bank it was, but regardless, Lee Singh manages to withdraw a billion dollars, which on top of the 40 million is enough for big spender. So Lee Singh gets his staff to put the $1.04 billion into bags. All in all, we're now talking about roughly 130 million USD in total. I don't know how big a billion dollars is, but that's a lot of notes, right? But surprisingly, Big Spender doesn't want $1.04 billion. He wants 1.038. Three and eight are lucky numbers
3: in Cantonese. Again, it goes to this idea of fate,
0: luck, destiny. Four is, the, is
3: synonymous with death.
0: So Big Spender returns $2 million, loads the remaining 20 bags of cash into two separate cars, and drives off. But not before he takes the security tapes out of Lee Karsing's cameras, leaving his two days at Lee Karsing's house simply a rumor. As he leaves, Big Spender promises not to touch any member of Lee's family again because Lee kept his promise and didn't call the police. And Lee Karsing stays true to his word, even after Big Spender is gone. In fact, Lee Karsing doesn't seem to blame Big Spender at all. He says it's his own fault that his son was kidnapped because he should have hired security. So Big Spender goes back to the New Territories where Victor Lee is being held, kisses him, hugs him, and sets him free.
3: It's become an iconic tale of one of Hong Kong's richest being very ill-treated by one of Hong Kong's toughest.
0: That's probably the last that Lee Casting thinks he'll hear from Big Spender. But not long after, he gets a call. Mr Lee.
2: I'm a heavy gambler and I lost all my money. Can you show me other safe investments?
0: Lee replies, I could only teach you to be a good man, but if you ask other things, I'm afraid I do not have an answer. You have only one path. Fly far and high, or else your ending will be a sad one. It's a pretty bold move, calling the guy you've just robbed and asking for investment advice. Lee Karsing might be eerily okay with the whole situation, but Big Spender has broken the unspoken code of conduct between billionaires and criminals. A delicate balance has been ruptured.
3: There was nothing else like it, before or since, actually. There was nothing else of that level, ever.
0: Until there is. From Kindling Media and Vespucci, you're listening to Bad Money... A show about power, wealth, and wrongdoing. I'm Jason Wong. This season, Big Spender. Episode 4 Superman. Just a little ways down the road from Lee Ka-Sing's family compound lived the Quarks. Walter
3: Quok was born into money. His father set up Sunang Kai Properties, a huge property conglomerate at the time of this, probably Hong Kong's biggest property developer. So they had interests in, in property, in hotel chains, manufacturing oil and gas, and that they were global businesses.
0: Like the Lee family, the Quarks have a lot of power in Hong Kong. The likes of Lee Kai Shing.
3: Waterquok, the conglomerates that they represented, that they, they ran and owned, had power that it's, it's hard to imagine. Um, Hong Kong was run by a series, it was commercially run by a series of, of billionaire families and their conglomerates and their connections into domestic politics and governance and also into China, into Beijing, was deep and was strong. They would have political sway. And per se, perhaps not openly, but they would have sway over law and order
0: agencies. They aren't people that you casually kidnap and expect no repercussions from. But for some reason, Nikar Singh had kept his word and didn't report Big Spender to the authorities. So technically, there was no victim and there was no crime which left Big Spender free and able to execute almost exactly the same kidnapping less than a year later. These guys were kind of sitting ducks, really. It's February 29th, 1997. Walter Kwok is in a light blue BMW, taking his usual route home. But today, he's being tailed by a white van with fake plates. Walter's car rolls to a stop on the thin, windy road There's a broken down car parked across the middle of the road ahead. And the driver, Big Spender, seems to be having engine issues. That's when the white van pulls up and sandwiches the car from behind. Quok is trapped. They
3: hit very quickly. They whisked him away. He He was put into a van. He was taken almost certainly to the same compound, the remote compound up in the New Territories, stripped to his underwear, put into a box, tied up,
0: shackled. Likewise, they tell Walter to call his family to request a ransom. But unlike Victor Lee, Walter Quark is not in an obliging mood. He wouldn't
3: cooperate and he didn't want to make the call to his family for the ransom.
0: So Big Spender puts him back into the small wooden box, which had been fitted with nothing but a few air holes, and leaves Walter to change his mind. They beat him every day to, to get him to make that call. Still, he refuses. So Big Spender threatens to kill him and shoves him back into his box. After four days, Walter gives in and makes the call to his family.
3: Supposedly, they argued internally about how they were going to deal with this.
0: Surprised that this family of billionaires are trying to nickel and dime him, Big Spender enters into negotiations with Walter Kwok's family directly. They go back and forth over the phone about the ransom. Big Spender even goes to haggle with the family face-to-face. Which meant that um, poor Walter was kept in his box
3: in the New Territories farmhouse in his underwear for six days. Eventually, they settle on a number. They arranged for the money and supposedly the Kwok family gave Big Spender $600 million
0: for his release. My creed is that I cannot allow myself to be poor, Big Spender once proclaimed. I don't have the time and patience to make a living by doing proper jobs. I can't work as hard as other people. Life is very short and fragile. I'm already more than 40. If I want to get rich, I must take some unconventional steps. Money is the most important thing in the world, without which you cannot do anything. But it's only me who can kidnap tycoons. No one else can do such big things. The sum of these ransoms earns Big Spender a Guinness World Record a badge of honour that I think Big Spender would boast about proudly.
3: When Big Spender said he was the only person that could successfully kidnap tycoons, he might well have been right.
0: Once again, the crime sends shockwaves through the gangster community, particularly the triads. They don't really do stuff that's going to rock the boat, so they won't...
3: It would be a disaster in the same way as the Sopranos if they end up having a machine gun fight in, you know, downtown, you know, in Hoboken or in, you know, Wan
0: Chai. It's a big mistake for them, whereas Big Spender didn't give a fuck. Strangely, the quox don't report the kidnapping either, but word quickly spreads in the media and the criminal underworld. They know what's happening, and soon enough, so do the authorities. These crimes put Big Spender on the
3: radar of the Hong Kong police they already knew him because of the guard force robberies you know he was if they had a board with the pinups of the biggest gangsters in Hong Kong
1: he kind of would have had the biggest picture on that board
0: Big Spender has rocked the boat and whilst his kidnappings haven't been officially reported they have not gone unnoticed I think certainly he was being monitored
3: closely. They would have been watching him, I imagine, minute by minute.
0: Whether he's oblivious or unfazed, Big Spender forges ahead. He's planning something even bigger. Bigger than the kidnapping of one of the wealthiest and most loved people in Hong Kong. Bigger than the biggest cash heist in Hong Kong history. He's showing no signs of abating. And the triads are watching in disbelief, after all. They've slowed down their own criminal activities in anticipation of the upcoming handover.
2: In Hong Kong, a century and a half of British rule comes to an end. And China takes over. Britain is not saying goodbye to Hong Kong. More than three and a half million Hong Kong residents are British nationals. We share language... And the english common law on first of july 1997 hong kong was handed over to china by the united kingdoms under the joint declaration
0: and after 156 years as a british colony it becomes a special administrative region of china
2: the joint declaration is a international treaty lodged at the un detailing under what conditions would Hong Kong be handed over to China.
0: Chungqing is a political and digital rights activist, born and raised in Hong Kong.
2: And those conditions include Hong Kongers will enjoy one country, two system, so that their way of life will remain 50 years unchanged. And Hong Kongers are supposed to enjoy high autonomy, and a lot of the fundamental rights that is enshrined in our mini-constitution, so-called basic law. And China and the UK would have the responsibility to ensure that this treaty is to be carried out.
0: There is a huge ceremony to mark the handover. Prince Charles and Tony Blair stand side by side as the Union Jack is lowered, and the Chinese flag is slowly run up the pole in its place. It's a chilling event. Something monumental is happening but it's not quite clear what this change will mean.
2: On the actual day of the Hanover, I think I was only one year old. But as I grew up, I watched quite a lot of footage about that. And the one thing that sticks with me is when Chris Patton say, Hong Kong people...
3: ...are to run Hong Kong. That is the promise, and that is the unshakable destiny.
2: And I think that kind of stuck with me uh, over the years because... What he's saying is something that Hong Kongers really wanted, that is for us to have control over our own future.
0: And then, as if to cleanse Hong Kong of a century and a half of British rule, a torrential rain washes over the city, and the British are gone. The next morning, Richard Cook, Chung Ching, and the rest of Hong Kong wake up to a very different landscape.
3: I'd lived in Hong Kong for five years by 97. And, I, you know, I was making my living as a journalist. And the uncertainty was almost a joke. That, you know, it was a joke that, oh, when the tanks come in, it's what people would say.
0: But then the tanks do roll in.
2: At first light this morning, several thousand soldiers began crossing the frontier, arriving in the outskirts of Hong Kong, a strange sight for so many people here.
0: Overnight, China moves into Hong Kong, their looming presence now impossible to ignore. On the first day of Chinese rule, democracy activists made history. They marched on Chinese soil for the first time since the Tiananmen Square massacre. They demanded that Hong Kong's civil liberties be protected from the oppressive hands of
2: Beijing. People in Hong Kong are very afraid afraid of that because it's a symbol of um, uh, irrational
1: force. The Chinese military is very much aware of its poor reputation. They've got new uniforms and they've learned a few phrases of English to spruce up their image.
0: Big Spender remains unfazed by the geopolitics swirling around him. He's delighting in his recent kidnapping earnings, indulging in various properties with his wife and two young children. He's partying, speeding around Hong Kong in his banana yellow Lamborghini, snapping photos with legendary Hong Kong actor Jackie Chan. His one purpose in life remains get rich by any means necessary. But the police are onto him, and they are increasingly eager to strike him down. On January 18th, 1998, Dominic Britton, aka Bones picks up the phone A counter-terrorism specialist in Hong Kong Bones works with Hong Kong law enforcement On some of their highest profile cases On the other end of the phone Is an officer from the Hong Kong police They tell Bones They had
1: a location under surveillance
0: Two police officers have been hiding On a hilltop near said location Watching a van being driven back and forth By one of Big Spender's men The van is suspicious because it's been registered under the name of an 85-year-old man who has no idea how or why it's registered in his name. Oh, and each time this van arrives at its designated location, men carry boxes from the van into a nearby building, wearing nothing but their underpants.
1: They wanted to be able to check that out without alerting the people who owned the premises that there was police of interest.
0: The police give Bones a location and tell him to meet the two other officers scoping out the building immediately.
1: It needed to be undercover. uh, It needed to be done quietly.
0: Bones and his right-hand man, Richard, get their equipment and get dressed.
1: We just literally wore our standard blues, which are the anti-static, anti-flash blues that we, we wore all the time, and just put a civilian raincoat on top just to make us a little bit less obvious.
0: They travel to the building, which is in the New Territories in northern Hong Kong, an area close to the Chinese border Bones meets the police at their lookout point and examines the building and surrounding
1: area down below. So it was a sort of semi-industrial area where there were literally normal businesses, and you'd use these go downs to store goods in in the normal course of business events. So you you wanted to store, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know, this was the case, but you wanted to store, let's say, thirty fridges uh, wholesale to be able to have them to distribute to people in a, in a day in their packaging. Then that that would be that would be the sort of premises that you'd use it for. Bones and Richard are briefed by the police surveillance team. Given the number of boxes they'd seen, they'd seen 40 large boxes, but it wasn't going to contain drugs. I mean, drugs would tend to be a smaller quantities than that.
0: Big Spender bought the boxes in China a few days ago and moved them into this storage building.
1: What was in the boxes? That was the essential question.
0: The police need Bones and Richard to get in and out before Big Spender returns.
1: They retired to a an area where they could observe us from. If they'd left, stood outside, then it would have been obvious that, uh, um, that the police knew about this area. So uh, we were on our own.
0: They give Bones a radio so they can alert him if the gangsters return to the building and send him on his way.
1: The police uh, uh, lent us a driver and an under- undercover van so it looked like a normal delivery van. We drove down the street to the location. We quietly opened the side door of the van while the driver got on the mobile phone and pretended to be making a phone call. We got through the door. Uh, which leads into it. And then uh, inside, we found ourselves inside a large, empty go-down, which is a, a type of industrial building, but it was literally empty, which seemed a bit odd.
0: It's dark inside the building, so Bones and Richard grip their torches and squint across the empty interior in the hopes of finding the boxes that the police mentioned. But they are nowhere to be found.
1: And then we looked towards the middle of this with our torches... They can just make out a large structure in the center of the room. And found that there was a, um, a hut built in the middle of this go down, um, brand new, um, obviously totally concealed because you could fly a helicopter over over the top of it and all you would see would be the tin roof of the go down. You wouldn't see that inside there was a hut. It was wooden and it was uh, two floors and there were probably three or four rooms downstairs and something similar upstairs.
0: It's pretty much a small residential house, but it's been built inside a tin warehouse so no one will ever find it.
1: Very cleverly done, and so it was away from the walls as well. So even if you were inside and you were heating the place, it wouldn't come up with uh, heat detectors, so you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to see it. Burns and Richard creep up to the wooden house and peer inside. We found evidence of people who were clearly sleeping and uh, living there on the ground floor. There are mattresses on the floor and bits of half-eaten
0: food scattered around hoping that the occupants are away. Bones and Richard
1: venture further inside. We went up to the first floor, um, a sort of cockloft, and in there we found um, 40 styrofoam boxes. The kind of boxes that of fishermen often land large quantities of fish in to keep the fish cool.
0: These must be what the police observed the gangsters carrying.
1: But with no fishy smell lingering in the hut, it's
0: pretty safe to assume
1: they don't have fish in them. Richard passed me the equipment to drill through the side of the box. Bones and Richard don't dare move the boxes.
0: They need to leave everything exactly as it was when they
1: arrived. We drilled a tiny hole in the side of the box and then used a, an endoscope to have a look inside and see what was inside through the tiny hole so that trap. we would be all right.
0: Bones immediately recognizes the contents of the box and he realizes that he may just have walked into a very dangerous trap.
1: I could see immediately that what we were looking at was uh, bags of explosives.
0: Big Spender is a production of Kindling Media and Vespucci and is narrated and hosted by me, Jason Watt. Please follow or subscribe so you don't miss what happens next. The series producer is Mira Kumar, the story editor is Mira Sharma, Thomas Curry is the managing producer. For Kindling Media, the executive producers are Will Stollerman, Ruth Edwards, Rich Martell, and Dan Murray-Serta. For Vespucci, the executive producers are Daniel Turkin, Johnny Galvin, and Matt Willis. Original music, audio mix and sound design by Dominic Gozo. Special thanks to Pete Sell and Yu Pang, George Chan.